Hi, my name's Jamie O'Hara, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Oh, look, it's Jamie O'Hara. We've got an exclusive interview with him later on. Tom kindly caught up with the Billericay manager after yesterday's game. So we'll hear more about what Jamie O'Hara's got to say on life at Billericay later on. But I am Luke Edwards, and joining me as ever is Rob Lowell. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. And joining us this week to look at the northern side of things is Tom Feeney. Hello, Tom. Hello, mate. And also from the Claret Army podcast, we have Darren Smith. Hello, Darren. Hi, Luke. Hello, Rob. So we'll get on to the trophy results in a minute, but there was one result in the National League yesterday, just the one game as well, and it was Dover against Hartlepool, and quite an interesting game, Rob. Well, it was in, in, in one sense, the fact that Hartlepool were in the ascendancy for most of it, they had the lead for most of the game, uh, but it was the Super Southern Ghoul coming on again uh, and scoring late on to rescue a point for Dover and uh, to, to, to others elsewhere, they might not think it was that significant, but Hartlepool been on a good run of late and they just couldn't quite hold on that 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 a win there would have taken them you know within breathing distance of of, of the top seven but uh dover pegging them back means they're both left firmly in the middle of the table on 40 points and uh, after the game jeff brazier summing up for bt sport said that was probably about right um hartley ball probably had a greater potential to kick on but at the moment, uh, Dave Challoner can't quite get that run of wins going uh, and holding on to leads like the one yesterday. Last him in Gould, Darren. I saw him at Welling last year. Really, really like what I saw. And he's taken that form into Dover, hasn't he? Definitely, yeah. He's always impressed me. I've seen him first both times under Steve King, really, at Welling and previously at Whitehawk. And he was always a, a very uh, dangerous player, getting it, uh, on the wing there. So, yeah, um, they've got some good players here at Dover. So, um Expect to do a little bit better this year, but as we talked about previously, I think it's their home form that's uh, held them back this season. Absolutely, and that doesn't really move them about in the table, as Rob mentioned. It one's in twelfth, one's in thirteenth, and they're not probably going to trouble the playoffs. Although it's a rebuilding job at Hartlepool, Andy Hessenthal is still talking about the playoffs. So watch this space. We're now going to look at the FA Trophy result, and one of the standout results there, Tom, was a. In the, certainly involving the Northern team, was Chester getting beaten? They lost by three goals to nil at Royston. A, a real shock? Yeah, a real shock. And I think when you consider the amount of progress that had been made for Chester in the last two victories, beating Southport, beating Guiseley, two really good performances as well. And then to face Royston Town and, you know, reading the report from it, it really just was a case that he didn't turn up for the game. Royston gained the victory and... Chester really had no complaints about it, which was a bit of a shock, really, because, you know, with the amount of momentum they'd picked up in the last few games, really did think they'd go there, get the victory. Now, kind of, the way they played against guys, it was a real gritty performance, real dogged performance, and I thought that's what they would do again at Royston, but obviously Royston in the end gaming quite a deserved win. Yeah, what an amazing season for Royston. Uh, It's probably the one game Shamefully, I could have got to yesterday. I was working until around two o'clock, and I, I did think about it. But we've covered Chester a lot on the podcast this season, and Royston, to be fair, are not in the uh, national leagues. But uh, what an incredible season! They were obviously uh, a giant killed in the uh, FA Cup, weren't they? But uh, in the uh, FA Trophy now, that's their second scalp, and uh, twice they've taken out teams from from a higher level. Not uh, not a good one for Chester. They've obviously got the uh, promotion battle in the National League North to focus on. But well done, uh, Royston Town, marching on 
couple of goals for May, uh, for Bateman and one for Castiglione, I think it's pronounced. Beautifully pronounced, Rob. Beautiful. Yeah, they go on to the next round. Of course, the draw is on Monday, so we don't know who Royston are going to play yet, but a fantastic result for them. Of course, they're from the Southern Central Division. Some uh, Barrow keep marching on as well, Rob. They've scored seven again, this time against FC United. They're going really, really well in the Northern Premier Division, but a couple of goals again for that man, John Rooney, a couple for Dior Angus, and, and Barrow just swatting everyone aside at the minute. Yeah, it's amazing. Winning is a habit, and they got themselves tidily into a lead in the first half. That was done and dusted. I switched away from it, really. It was only later on I realised they'd put seven in by the end of the game. So very, very rare in football at any level to have uh, seven goal victories, two weekends running. Really, really good times at Barrow. And uh, don't underestimate the opposition there. They were unbeaten in 15 games, FC United, going into that one. Um, and a little bit like Ebsfleet, Ebsfleet the, the, the week before, they... They folded like a pack of cards and uh, yeah, two more for Rooney. And uh, afterwards, uh, our good friend Adam Johnson, uh, who works for BBC Cumbria, managed to catch up with the Barrow manager, Ian Everett. Well, it seems to be a, a case of, of deja vu. Two weeks on the trot now, seven goal winners here at Holker Street. Really pleased, really pleased with our professionalism, um, the way we approach the game, our attitude. Um, Look, I hope I hope the paying public don't think that's going to happen every week. We're going to blow teams away seven. But the, the most pleasing thing for me is that we're developing that ruthless clinical side. Seven today could have been a lot more if we'd have just chosen our final decision, that final pass a bit better. But how fit we looked, especially second half when the pitch got really heavy and the weather, etc. We just ran over the top of them. And I said before the game, look, these are coming here expecting a tough game don't disappoint them you know we're the best team in non-league for a reason and you have to go out there and prove it you're there to be shot at and these lads are going to try and prove themselves against you but their attitude and the commitment to the game was excellent and I'm really delighted with the result in terms of I know obviously your performance you you were proud of but in terms of your opposition performance did you expect a bit more from them for today's game was it was it a bit of a shock to you at, at the way they played no, it's not a shock to me. This, listen, seeing what my boys can do, it's not a shock. I see it every day, and I've been beating on about it every single day. We do this to national league teams, and no disrespect to them, they're two leagues below us. They're doing very well. They've not lost in 15 games, so their confidence was high. But like I say, I, I see them every day in training. I work with them, and we've been, you know, creating that many opportunities against national league teams. We did it against Devonshire last week. We've had opportunities to score six, seven before in the national league, and not quite done it. But I've always said that this team can still improve and we are still improving and we've shown that the improvement is coming in terms of being ruthless in front of goal in the final third. I mean, looking ahead now to that uh, FA Trophy third round, obviously Yeovil themselves uh, progressing in the competition as well. So, I mean, does that please you in one way as well that league-wise you, your challenges aren't going to have that chance to try and edge ahead of you while you're I, in the trophy? I'm not worried about the league. People say to me, oh, the amount of games, etc. Listen, we've already played two games less and we're still top and that's not being arrogant but we are um, we'll, we'll take it on when, when it comes we've got a, a squad of players that are all fully fit and firing at the moment to be fair we've not had Jack Indel on the pitch today we've not had Connor Brown on the pitch today Morgan there's there's lots of players that are, are waiting for a chance and an opportunity Byron got an opportunity today listen we're going to keep going we're just going to keep working hard keep trying to improve on the training pitch put in the, into play our patterns of what we're working on 
we worked really hard this week on combinations, uh, making flat runs in behind defenders, uh, stretching stretching the back four of the opposition. And I saw that second half, and it, it came to fruition. And like I say, we'll keep working hard. We've got a rest up this weekend now refocus and then come next week we've got a really big game in the league against Bromley I mean in terms of, of Byron Harrison once again he, he showed you know the abilities there but do, do you feel for him slightly that the goal still hasn't come for him and given a great opportunity with the, the penalty as well but he scored didn't he certainly look from this angle that it, the final touch had come off the defence no 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 he scored that's Byron's 100% I've asked him in there and he scored so I'm giving that to Byron he deserves that um, the penalty, yes, I think you know Sid, Sid Blaine, one of our directors, give him the curse. He shouted down to me, he's never missed one. Give it Byron, and then he steps up and misses. That's just typical of Sid. Look, I was pleased with his work ethic more than anything else. The goals will come, especially playing in this team. The amount of chances we create, the goals will come. I thought Brad Barry was absolutely magnificent today. Some of his runs, his timing of his runs, and his, his final delivery was excellent. I'm really pleased with them all, but I've just said, look, we haven't done anything yet. We have to keep our heads down, keep working hard, and we've got a right chance of producing some history this season, but it's only a chance at the moment. We've got to go out there and earn it. No one's going to give it to us. I suppose on one hand as well, the fact that nowhere, no niggles picked up, especially during that second half when you were on the end of a, a bit of rough treatment, you, you could probably say. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the least said about that, the better. Especially one of their players who thought it was okay just to run around trying to kick people. This is a football match. You know, we try and play football, and they try to play football. I said to their manager after the way they tried to play is excellent, and you don't see it very often in non-league. So, you know, that's a credit to him. But as I said, our, our lads kept our discipline, we kept our focus, and we were clinical and ruthless in the final third, which is really pleasing. Of course, looking ahead to that big game next week against Bromley. Uh, a huge opportunity once again, an evening kickoff. So even the the case of the local football in the area isn't going to, you'd hope, not in you know interrupt with the with the crowd of, of you know what kind of crowd you possibly expect to get for that game. To I hope we get a big one. Listen, the crowd the crowd today are magnificent, eighteen hundred. I know they brought five hundred, but that's still thirteen hundred home fans. In these this weather conditions is is an you know a great effort. I'm really really proud of everyone with that. Um, and again, they've seen seven good goals, very good goals, and seen us play very well some of the goals we scored and some of the passing patterns and the speed of attack was was great to see um, but as I said well, there's still a long way to go hopefully they can come in the numbers next Saturday's a massive game massive game for this football club there's no denying it and hopefully we'll play the same as we have done in recent weeks Talking about how Ebbsfleet folded last weekend when they went down to 10 men talk about learning in one week of football I don't know if they were practicing 10 v 11 all week at uh, Ebbsfleet but uh, the same thing happened again on Saturday against uh, the might of Kings Ling and uh, you know regular listeners will know what I'm talking about there Kings Ling flying in the National League North um, and uh, they managed to keep a clean sheet the 10 men they won the game 1-0 um, and uh, what, a, what a magnificent result a morale boosted result really for Ebbsfleet in difficult circumstances and one other point really on Ebbsfleet boys um couple of signings in this week and you know the old saying when you're right down the bottom of the league you need fighters you need scrappers and it's not a place for the flair player they've only gone and bought in Adam Mecky on loan and Jermaine McGrashen what do you think of that move? Yeah I mean you've seen Adam Mecky a lot a few times Rob and he's kind of lost his way a bit over the last couple of years but this is probably his, his chance to shine and Jermaine McGrashen we know he's done it at a higher level so very shrewd signings from Kevin Watson there could be. At least one of those gambles could well pay off. I mean, for Mecky, he's been dogged by injuries. 
I always say this about Adam Mecky when he's fully fit and in form, he's an absolute handful, but there's not enough time where he is both of those. Um, and Jermaine McGlashan, probably most effective coming on as an impact sub late on, last 20 minutes, he can win free kicks and fouls, he can run with the ball. But he, he didn't really kick on. It didn't work for him at Swindon. He's dropped down since then. He's been out on loan elsewhere in the National League, and that didn't really particularly pay off either. Um, so he must be getting close to the last chance to loom McGlashan. But um, interesting approach there from Ebsfleet. Rather than saying, right, we need players to roll the sleeves up, they've obviously decided they've got enough of that and they need a bit of flair and creativity. Just Kings Lynn are flying in the National League North this season. They went down to Ebsley and quite a few people predicted that there may well be an upset there. It was a tight affair in the end, but are you really surprised at how well Kings Lynn are doing? Because I know Geisley beat them on the opening day of the season and, and you must have thought, well, Kings Lynn aren't going to do that well this year, but they've gone on and, and done really, really well. It, do you know what? It's a really weird game, that, because Geisley won 3-0 and afterwards everyone's saying, oh, it was... You know, really, really good performance by guys. The Kingsland were all right, but when assessing the game afterwards, Kingsland had five really good chances. Guysley's goalkeeper on the day made some good saves. They they missed one they should have scored. While Guysley really took their opportunities, and you know, while it was a great performance by Guysley, I think maybe some will have seen that result and thought, oh well you know, what are Kings Lynn going to do? But really, it was a good performance by them on that day. They maybe just lacked that bit of luck. And I think the big thing for Kings Lynn is the home form. You know, you, you consider a team that haven't lost in over a year in all competitions at home. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And I, th- I think the thing is, that has given them the confidence then to go into the away games and think, you know what, we can do this at home. Why can't we go away from home and, and gain a victory? And absolutely full credit to them, you know, the, the work that's been done there, and that might be the only worry I'd have if I was the Kingsley Town fan would be, we're in January, there's a lot of players there that are impressing, you do wonder just how many of them players are being looked at by other clubs, I know there's Marriott is being looked at by a few and it'll be interesting to see if there's any bids for him, as of yet there hasn't been but if there is, just what will happen there Yeah, if they can keep hold of him then they have got a chance, obviously if he goes, and it might be a bit Tougher for them. There was an intriguing game down in Surrey on Saturday. The National League South playoff contenders, Dorking, they took on Stockport County. And on the Friday, I know the manager and chairman, Mark White, was he was quite confident about the chances. He respected Stockport, but he said, look, we can beat any team on our day at home. And it was a 1-1 draw and a very credible result for Dorking, Rob. Yeah, fantastic. Doing really, really well at a level higher than they were at last season anyway. And uh, now an opportunity for them to uh, pit their wits against the side from uh, another higher division in Stockport County, and one that's been in pretty good form generally. They're not always on it, but um, by all accounts, talking very, very, very unlucky to earn themselves, if that makes sense, a replay up at Stockport on, on Tuesday night. They were pretty dominant. Ten shots on target to none from Stockport, which is amazing when you think that Stockport actually scored. So I'm not sure about those, those stats, <laughs> but uh, it ended one all. Jason Pryor eventually getting Dawkins the equaliser. They, their performance clearly deserved. And Dawkins with twice the number of efforts uh, in total in that game yesterday. And uh, they're really proving themselves. And uh, Mark White is as well. I mean, elsewhere, shall we say, in the south of England, there's some very bad examples of somebody being the uh, chairman <laughs> and the manager 
um, of a football club. But Mark White's doing a tremendous job, isn't he, Darren? Definitely, yeah. Impressed me hugely since coming up. Obviously, they sat there nice, comfortably in the playoffs. Um, I think they have had a couple of wobbles recently before yesterday's game. I think they'd lost a couple of games 3-2. But before that, I think they were seven in a row. They'd won uh, in all competitions. So, hugely impressive. And you know, players like Pryor, they've got their experience, quality players. I think they've agreed a fee, haven't they, with, with Barnett for Jack Barham. But I think they're just waiting on that uh, to be completed, hopefully, for them. But, yeah, I fully expect them to be up there in the playoffs coming into the season. Obviously, maybe they can go up there if they've played so well yesterday, go back up to Stockport and get a result up there too. Yeah, on the Jack Barham thing, I know Mark White did say nothing is quite done yet. He said, it's basically, Barnett don't want him. He said, we've agreed a fee, but Barnett have recalled him from his loan and whether they're trying to get somebody else in on the act and start a bit of a bidding war, who knows. So uh, it's just a case of, of watch his space on that one. Maidenhead went to a team three divisions below them and only drew 2-2 at Hales Owen. A really good result for the home side. They might be a bit bit upset that they didn't win that because they're strong at home, Hales Owen. They'll have to do it again in a replay, but it was an equaliser from Andrew Parsons for Hales Owen and it means they do it all again in the south of England on a Tuesday evening. It was a North, it was a National League North versus National League face-off. In midweek as well, it was Darlington who beat Solihull in a replay and they faced Harrogate Town on Saturday and the National League side didn't slip up this time at Darlington, although Alan Armstrong did admit afterwards they were probably a bit tired from their efforts against Solihull Moors. Well, and I think that's the thing. It will have taken a lot of lot out of them to play that game Wednesday and to know then that Harrogate have had that, that free week really and obviously as well a full-time team and Simon Weaver will have worked his side hard to prepare for that game and really looking at the goals they scored, you know, two two nice goals there. And I think for Darlington, it's kind of one of those, they got that victory over Solihull Moors. They did so well to gain that win, but it really did have an effect on them. That being said, you know, Harrogate were always favourites going into that game. And it's one of those for Harrogate Town. I look at them and I do see them as a team that obviously they've got their eyes on promotion. But when you speak to Simon Weaver... He wants to be serious in this FA Trophy. You know, he really does want to go for that. And I wouldn't rule out Harrogate Town having maybe two dates at Wembley in the upcoming months. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously they're going to take it quite seriously and it'll be a big deal for Harrogate to get to Wembley. Definitely. You know, and I think, I think the thing is there's some clubs, you know, you look at and you hear them talk about trophy competitions and, you know, all the cup competitions and... There's maybe a little bit of a reluctance when they talk about wanting to do well, but you know, with the way that Simon Weaver's spoken and the action in terms of putting out a full-strength team, obviously for that game, you know, the reality is with the FA Trophy, and this is what makes that competition so great: is you are only a couple of wins away to then really having a very realistic chance of going to Wembley. And another team you know well at Halifax Town, they, they've had a bit of a tough time recently, but they got a really vital away win at Torquay United to progress into the next round as well. Yeah, I think it's been a fantastic week for Halifax with Devontae Rodney, Rodney coming back. I think you know, that was the kind of signing that Pete Wilde had been talking about. He said they needed another forward and to be able to bring him back seven goals in his 12 games from his first spell. So, you know, he'd become a bit of a fan favourite there. And obviously then... You know, to go to Torquay, such a long journey on a on a Saturday, you know, to get that victory will it will have done the side no harm whatsoever. You know, it has been a tricky couple of weeks in terms of results, but you when you actually look at the progress that's been made, you know, compared to last season, I think Pete Wilde can be happy. Obviously, 
for a manager who came in with only a few weeks to go until the season actually began for the side to be doing quite well in the league and obviously still in the FA Trophy as well. Before we look at the other games, if you get a chance to see uh, the winner for Notts County as they beat Dagenham on Saturday, Michael Doyle from the halfway line and it was a fantastic strike and it was late on as well. I know the uh, the commentary's on there from BBC Radio Nottingham and he just says, what a goal, we're not going to Dagenham on Tuesday night and it was in the third minute of stoppage time in the end. Yeah, probably one of the greatest examples there and I listen intently to these little commentary pieces obviously given, uh, given my job but... Um, yeah, one of those great examples of when uh, a commentator commentating on a game cannot contain the sheer excitement of what he'd just seen his, his side do. I think he said, in his career. Yeah. And then he broke off that sentence and he said, he's 38 now, but in his career, has he ever scored a goal like that? So it's just, it's just commentary, uh, commentary magic, really, and sometimes it's just got to come out. The passion's got to spill over. But a brilliant goal from Michael Doyle inside his own half. Dagenham would have been quite content, wouldn't they, at one all to uh, take uh, Notts County back for a replay in the week. And uh, that must have been a, one of those really, really gutting, gutting late goals uh, to see for Darren McMahon. Saying that now, we know the National League clubs aren't exactly wanting extra games at the minute. So Notts County would be really pleased to have got that over the line in, in, in the, at the first attempt. Absolutely. I think he'll have cheered everybody up. His manager, his teammates, the supporters, the chairman, everybody. Um, and it just keeps Notts County on that sweet run that they're on. And, uh, you know, we're not really covering the National League Premier today, but, uh, you know, looking at that late league table as well, it's ominous. They're the one, if you are Barrow, I think probably more so even than, uh, you know, Bromley or, or Solihull Moors. Um, or Yeovil, you're possibly, they're the one you're really looking at the momentum that they're building now at Notts County. Although, having mentioned Yeovil, good a time as any to switch over to them. Comfortable 4-0 win in the uh, FA Trophy yesterday. Um, and another hat-trick for, for Reese Murphy. Not much more to add you know, to that, other than still a healthy crowd there. Not too far under 2,000 for Yeovil. Good times there. And... Uh, Really, really interesting to see how both Yeovil and Notts County are making a real effort, uh, a real fist of their promotion efforts uh, this season to try and get straight back up. Yeah, they beat Hampton and Richmond Borough, so that was a, a decent result for them. Hampton and Richmond have been going OK, but Yeovil, professional, has ever got the job done. Farsley against Barnet was, was 1-1, and a really good result that for Farsley. Not kind of unexpected, really, because it's it's a difficult place to go, Farsley. It was a wet and windy day, the pitch isn't the best, and... I think Barnet did well. They probably showed the the right attitude to probably get out of that with a draw in the end. Yeah, I think you know you you go to the Citadel and there's a reason why Falls Celtic have such a good form at home is they know the conditions and they know how to play to them conditions as well. And you know, I think I think for Farsley, when you look at the league form the last few weeks, this is the kind of result that can give them a real boost going into the next league games. And, and obviously, you know. Barnet, not that long ago, we're a football league club, you know, and I think for Farsley Celtic, it's, it's a, you know, be a good feeling there to go to the Hive and to face Barnet, and, and who knows, because Farsley on their day can play some really good football, and if they, if they have that day at Barnet, then, you know, there's a chance of them going through to the next round. So it was an interesting National League South battle in the FA Trophy as well between Concord and Bath. The goals came within 90 seconds of each other and a, a lovely finish from Tom Smith earned Bath a replay on Tuesday night down at Concord. Yeah, it's another 
instance where Bath had to come from behind, although they couldn't quite push for the winner in this game. Uh, I think Concord will be uh, disappointed not to pick up the win. Uh, they missed the penalty themselves, Joe Noble, in the fourth minute. Uh, and obviously got himself ahead in, with just 13 minutes to go, but couldn't hold on. And as you say, Tom Smith getting the, the equaliser a couple of minutes later. Um, both sides in good form going into the game. I think one loss in seven for Concord in all competitions and, and only one in 17, I think, for, for Bath. So um, probably not surprisingly a draw there. But um, yeah, I guess you'd fancy Bath back at home on a Tuesday night at home. But Concord have proved it this year with uh, some good results. So I won't want to call that one yet. Yeah, and well... The the, uh, the podcast was born out of your team, wasn't it? The Corrit Army podcast. And they were marching on in the FA Trophy. They won 4-0 against, we've got to call it him, Steve Corridge's Salisbury. Yeah, um, very windy day down at, uh, at Melbourne Park. But um, the competitive start of the game, I think Salisbury had a couple of chances themselves. And if they'd have got a goal there, maybe it would have been different. But once we got ahead, I think we pretty much controlled the game. And 4-0 maybe slightly flattered us. But um, yeah, comfortable victory and hitting good form at the moment so hopefully uh, we'll get a good draw on Monday and can progress even further and after the game Darren caught up with the Chelmsford manager Rod Stringer as he said at a very windy Melbourne Park so Rod excellent 4-0 victory I'm sure again you're delighted with the performance yes very much so um, you know I thought the boys was excellent today and taking nothing away from Salisbury you know they're a good side and we haven't just beaten a, a team today that I felt has just come here and allowed us to dictate the game completely. But I thought we was good in the first. I thought we started a little bit slow, especially the balls in behind would cause us a few problems. Um, but be honest, me back four, me two centre-halves managed to get hold of that. Um, but I thought, considering the conditions here today, which have been very windy and everything else, I thought we kept hold of the ball well. Um, I thought everything, you know, the way that we tried to pass it, especially in the second half against the, the real heavy wind, sure that Salford would have to come away from here saying they played a good side. Um, we were clinical with the way that we put them, you know, put the goals away today, which I thought is, is something that we've been lacking. I did feel in the first half we probably had two or three good chances, a little bit of communication um, in the right areas. I think we could have uh, possibly been a bit more clinical early on. But overall, you know, I'm just really pleased to be through to now the last 16, which is an achievement on its own. Um, I think 300 teams start off in this competition, so we're now down to that last 16. And, you know, we wait for the draw to come up and find out who we've got. Um, but listen, compliment to the boys and to my staff today. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've been working our game plan and we've kept a clean sheet, which is massive for me. And I think there's been some real positive performances here today. Um, and especially seeing the likes of Oli Muldoon coming off the bench, which is... You know, I think even in that little 15, 20 minute cameo, you can see what he can bring to us. So, listen, we're in a good place. Um, it's been hard to try and build this momentum, but for me, um, we just want to keep the games coming and we just want to keep playing. And we've got plenty of players that hopefully we, we can see back soon, Billy Knotts and, and Raiders, that I think will only make us stronger. So, um, but overall today, very good performance. Probably one of the best performances of the season. And that was Rod Stringer, and he's kind of turned it around a little bit, Darren. You're in mid-table, treading water a little bit. There was a few questions asked, but it's improved over the last few weeks. Certainly, you had a very good Christmas period, didn't you? Definitely, yeah. I think it seemed to have got the, the balance of the team right, got a couple of different players in to give us a little bit more, uh, and, and the formation's really working with the players we've got, uh, and we're looking uh, a much better side than we were a couple of months ago, where we just just weren't clicking, really, and just weren't, weren't picking up the results we should have been, so... 
worry is we maybe have left it a little bit too late in terms of making up that uh, ground to get in the playoffs where it's only maybe one place possibly left open realistically unless we can go on a on a fantastic run really but it keeps it interesting and obviously this, this trophy run as well will will help and, and say hopefully we can sneak in there and maybe cause an upset yeah it'll be interesting obviously you'll be wanting a home tie I'm guessing in the next round uh, yeah definitely a home tie uh, against one of the, the lower teams maybe a Averley uh, locally side or, or you want if, if it has to be away you want one of the bigger sides uh, you know not County away would be nice but um, we'll see I don't think we've made it past uh, the third round for, for a uh, number of years so hopefully uh, say we get a nice draw or at least a draw a, a big club to go and uh, enjoy supporting it there There was a, an interesting battle of kind of um, oh, oh, I'm just trying to think really what, what the word would be but it was the the Spitfires against the Gladiators, so it was almost like a wartime battle in a way, wasn't it? Who would you want to go to war in? Would you want to go in a Spitfire or a Gladiator? Uh, that's the question they were asking yesterday, but it was the, the Spitfires who came out on top in the end. Yeah, two goals either side of half-time from Kevin and Miley and from Beal. Ultimately uh, got that one done. Matt Luck did pull a goal back through Marshall. But uh, no, a good... Um a, a, a good, comfortable progression for Eastley. You'd expect them to do so, really. Matt Luck, sixth bottom in the Northern Premier League, a long trip for them down to uh, the South Coast. Uh, ben Strevens would be pleased to get through. And You know, if you're an Eastern manager like Ben Strevens or any kind of top half or even lower middle place National League uh, Premier team, you've got to be looking at it as, hey, hang on, things might not really be happening on the pitch. This might not well be a promotional or relegation season, but what an opportunity to progress in this competition. And uh, Ben Strevens, I know, is uh, a winner. He won't be very pleased with Eastley's uh, current position in the league table, but uh, he'll be pleased to have progressed from that one and uh, not have to go to a replay. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make, Rob, because they were a penalty kick away from getting to Wembley last year in the playoffs. And this year, obviously, they've had to take a step back in terms of financial. They've lost a couple of the better players like Paul McCallum and Mark Yates. So, Eastley, they're not going to go down, are they? Whether they're going to get in the playoffs, it's debatable. So, for Ben Strevens and Eastley, a trip to Wembley could be just what they need, really, this year. Yeah, massive, massive for them. And, and he's not, what the point I'm making, really, is that there's any number of managers you could look at that. You know, we have this debate when it comes round, you know, is it a distraction? Is it the distraction they want from the league? And to be quite honest, I, I think you want to do one of two things in this competition. You either, if you're not going to progress to the latter stage, you want to get straight out in the first round, get yourself a couple of free Saturdays, uh, make the whole season a little bit more palatable, you know, give players an opportunity to have a good rest after Knox, or you want to go all the way, you know, with that carrot of a Wembley final. Um, and that's a very, very bad way of justifying all the shot towns early exit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> now, he's filed against Southport. It was a, a northern, a Lancashire battle because Southport technically is in Lancashire, but there was also a division difference between the two sides. Southport on a terrible run of form and they lost by four goals to one. Two goals for Nick Horton, Jordan Williams and Dan Bradley also scored with Jack Sampson adding uh, scoring for Southport. But uh, there's interesting news coming out of Fylde, which we'll get onto later on in the podcast, but comfortable win for Fylde in the end. Yeah, it was... Um... It was in the end, as you say, yeah, 2-0 two, two, two up early on in the first 20 minutes. But uh, that goal from Samson, five minutes before half-time. Quite often in a football match, you get that, don't you? When the, the, uh, the team that are a couple of goals down get one just before half-time, it changes things. But no, Horton got the first of his goals before half-time as well. And then the second one 
early in the second half to kind of put that one to bed. But I think it's uh, goings on off the pitch, isn't it, really, Luke, at file that, that are making everybody sit up and take note. And, uh, you know, they, we've remarked so many times about what a well-run club it is. And this is the way, if you've got a bit of money, a bit of money to do it properly, to do it progressively. This season's gone horribly flat for them, despite big, you know, um, showpiece signings in the summer, a couple of them at least, to add to what they have. They haven't kicked on. They've struggled down the wrong end of the division. They've had to change the manager. A little bit of a new manager bounce, but hasn't been sustained. Um, and the news breaking, obviously, last week that uh, Danny Rowe, 30 years old now, does want to leave at the end of his contract. He's been put on the transfer list. Will he get the chance in the Football League? Will somebody take a chance on him? I think a, a derisory offer has already been turned down by the chairman, Hawthorne Thwaite, who uh, came in for a little bit of stick on Twitter over the weekend as well. Luke. Do you want to share with the listeners what happened? Yeah, well, basically there was a picture shared on, on, on Twitter by Jay Lynch, who was Files goalkeeper last year, and it was a programme notes from... Dave Hawthorne, like, as you said, and, and in those notes he did mention that there was only one club interested in Danny Rowe and they offered peanuts, uh, so he's not going anywhere because they've got a match filed value of him, but basically he said, um, he, he basically criticised Danny Rowe's agent and then said it's a similar situation to, to Jay Lynch last year, and uh, Jay Lynch has come out and called him arrogant and classless, and, and that Dave Hawthorne like, actually phoned him up to say what to come back, so he's basically said, come to Rochdale with me, Danny Road. So there's a bit of a, a Twitter spat. Obviously, I don't think Dave Hawthorne waits on Twitter or reads Twitter, and I don't think he'll be a bit bothered, but we'll see. Watch this space. Yeah, some, something not right there. He mentioned uh, about typical of the way this club's run or something like that. So, yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? A lot of time, people keep uh, a, a polite silence in football when things happen. It's amazing how a year or two later it eventually gets out, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not exactly Storms of E. Wiley, but uh, it's it's getting there. <laughs> I don't know which one's which either, but there we go. <laughs> um, so um, the final result that we are going to look at is Leamington. They went down to London anyway, down to Kingstone, and they got a draw. I think they'll be pleased to bring Kingstone back up to, to their place, won't they? Yeah, definitely. I think the work that Paul Holleran's done the last few months, you know, he deserves so much credit for it. And obviously, this is on the back of losing one of their key players to Forest Green Rovers as well. So it's that thing that they're one of these teams, they seem to be able to just pluck stars from, you know, div- divisions lower. And I think when you look at Kingstonian, it's not an easy place to go to. So I think for them, foot breaks, it'll be kind of one of them results where they'll be pleased to be taking them back home and also having that confidence with how the home form's been that they'll be getting the result as well. So we're going to look at the National League South next. If you're driving on a motorway and you see a red X sign overhead, you need to change lanes safely. Driving in a red X lane is an offence. Red Xs are there for a reason to protect you and others from danger. The lane may be blocked by a broken down vehicle or road workers, or the lane may be needed for the emergency services. So if you see a red X, change lanes safely. Highways England, connecting the country. Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League South, it was a big day at the top of the table Wealdstone lost midweek to Billericay, so it's vital that they won 
against Wellin, who brought in Brad Quinton this week, the ex-Braintree manager. And it was a massive result for Wheelstone, despite going down to 10 men. They won, didn't they, in the end, Darren, through a goal through Michi Fete. Yeah, big result for them. They'd lost the previous two, as you mentioned, at Billa Ricky and also uh, against Oxford City, conceding three goals uh, in both games. But so it's important to get the win, get the clean sheet. Obviously, probably couldn't pick a better team to play than uh, the Welling, to be honest. I think they've, they've now slipped in the bottom two and they've mm. lost five in a row, hence the choice by Mark Goldberg to bring in Brad Quinton to hopefully turn their fortunes around. Welling, they made a few changes to the squad already, including one player, Moses Emmanuel, going to Willstone and, and playing against them yesterday, which is interesting. But yeah, it's heating up at the top there, isn't it? With um, obviously Bath, Haven't and Slough chasing Wildstone, so they'll need to keep up this good form uh, and actually Wildstone, I think they've got a big game next week against Haven't uh, so that's going to be an interesting one to see if they can Haven't can make up any points on, on Wildstone Yeah Haven't who haven't lost away from home this year carried on that record they went to Hemel Hempstead and won by two goals to one and I know Sammy Moore was saying afterwards that he's had to ship out a few players from Hemel Hempstead because they haven't done it Tom's of the opinion that Hemel Hempstead are really big underachievers this year I mean would you go along with that even though it's a good win for having I would do yeah in terms of Hemel at the start of the season I thought they were going to be, be right up there and I think they'd have had a good start didn't they uh, and they were up there and they've, they've dropped off I think they had a very top heavy squad uh, sort of paying big money players like Alex Wall who they've released this week uh, and other players have, have gone, as you say, uh, more is released. But I think they, they often, they played us recently and they didn't have a full bench. I think they've struggled to, to fill the squads they've gone. We've tried to go, go for a good first eleven, and obviously that hasn't worked for whatever reason. So whether they're going to now shift out players and maybe not push for the for the top will be interesting to see. But um, haven't, yeah, they've, they've st- uh, just keep rolling on really. I mean, it, so they don't tend to win, win games big but they do uh, pick up the wins obviously Kedwell penalty again which is quite a common occurrence for them and I think it's now seven wins out of nine in the league so um, yeah they'll look forward to that, that big game against Willstone uh, at home next week and hopefully push on uh, to, to overtake them I know in one of our Twitter polls we said Dartford against Oxford City was our pick of the day and it, can Oxford City upset the apple cart can Steve King's Dartford keep rolling on well Dartford kept rolling on they won by three goals to nil and they're in the playoffs and there'll be a danger to everyone who's in front of them in a minute yeah it was uh, it was a really decent win for Dartford they've got great momentum now haven't they uh, man of the match performance from Luke Wenadio there Jacob Berkeley Adjipon uh, getting on the score sheet as well and uh, a McQueen penalty looking at it I don't know the story of the game but it looks as though Dartford scored twice right on half time to literally kill the game as the side went into the dressing room yeah I think there's a Serious injury for Finn Tap for Oxford, which led to, I think, 12 minutes of injury time, hence the goal. I think 45 plus 10, which is one of the latest ones I've seen. But um, yeah, Dartford flying. I mean, five wins in a row. I think they scored three goals in all of those games and, and four clean sheets in four of the five. So Steve King really working his magic again there. I think he signed a few players that he's worked with before, uh, again, to try and get them in and, and get the band back together. Uh, and yeah, definitely, I think they'll be... a from looking very disappointed at the start of the season. I think they're going to be one of the, the form teams and probably one of the danger teams in the playoff, as Rob says. Sorry. Sorry. Darren, can I ask you a question about Steve King? You have seen your team uh, up against him on, uh, you know, at Welling and, and, and uh, other teams as well, sure. Um, do you think he's probably done enough to deserve a chance at a higher level, Steve King? Because he seems to do it every single time. He's got an incredible contact base. He's got a really good eye for a young up-and-coming player. And he knows how to work the transfer market as well. An absolute steal getting Nick Arnold 
across from league leaders Wilson a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, definitely. I think he's he's a very canny operator and he, he always is successful with his teams. I mean, obviously, I think he did end up going down with, with Whitehawk, but he came in so late, but he really turned around their fortunes. But, um, yeah, I would expect him to get a chance. I mean, he did uh, go to Macclesfield, was it, I think? Um, I don't know how well he did with those, but I think, yeah, you'd think at least at uh, conference uh, premier level, I mean, you think, uh, sorry, at national league level, I mean, it's... He always does well, so I don't see why. I'm surprised actually he was out of work so long after leaving well in, in the summer. I mean, maybe he's waiting for a, a, a particular job, maybe locally, but I definitely think he's, he's got the ability to, or at least deserves a chance to have a go at a level higher at least. Uh, excuse my ignorance, I don't remember that. Did he get a chance at Macclesfield? You must remember, you're part of the world. Yeah, he did, yeah. it was. Um, he only had one season there. He, he, he brought in players like Craig Brown Barrett, who was just re-signed for Dartford. He had Ryan Jackson there with him. Matthew Barnes Homer was up front, and they got. I think they were doing really well, and then they faded towards the end of the season. And then I think, obviously, we know like Macclesfield, they, they tend to budget cut. And I think he left. He only had one season, and I think he left in the summer. Then uh, and John Askey came back. It was either that or halfway. He didn't. He didn't last long into the next season. But then John Askey came in, and the rest, as you say, is history. Well, there you go, listeners. You see, we do know what we're talking about most of the time, and sometimes we're scratching around, and we need Google as well. <laughs> I didn't need Google for that, Rob. It was all up here. <laughs> uh, what are you trying to say? We never use Google. We're that encyclopedic. We never use Google. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it's interesting down at the bottom, isn't it, Darren? Because there was a uh, big games between Eastbourne and St Albans and Braintree and Tunbridge. Bra- Braintree on a terrible run at the minute, and it was a, a fantastic result for Tunbridge. It was an own goal in the end by uh, Billy Johnson, who's on loan from Norwich at the minute. But uh, a fantastic result for Steve McKim and Tombridge Angels. I know um, I know Ben Greenall from Tombridge said it was a big win. He said it's been coming and they've had games where they deserved it. So the three points is massive for them. And then down at the bottom, a thriller between Eastbourne and St Albans. St Albans leapfrogging well in after that. And it was uh, an up and down game in that. Yeah, you definitely got your money's worth if you went to that game. Uh, six goals and a red card in that one and two uh, last minute goals. So yeah, um, Interesting game. He's born and picked up a little bit of late. Uh, I'm beating him four now in the league and starting to pull away from the bottom where they look like they were going to get dragged into. St Albans obviously still down there. Um, but, you know, they're slightly picking up a bit of form, cut of draws in, uh, in those last two games, including yesterday. But, yeah, no. Um, Eastbourne thought they got the win with uh, Bombalinga scoring in the 90th minute. But then uh, James Koloski in injury time gets the uh, important equaliser. And I think St Albans probably a bit disappointed considering Dean Cox was sent off in the 22nd minute. Obviously, they've not been out of force to win and still conceded uh, you know, two goals after that. So, sure, they'll be a bit disappointed because that could have been an opportunity for them to, to get a couple more vital points and uh, sort of pull away a bit further from that bottom two. Headline writer's dream, isn't he? Bomba Lenga. I bet the, the headlines were being written, weren't they? And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, suddenly snatched away from them. But it's crack, cracking game. And it's a hell of a battle down the bottom there, boys, isn't it? Um, I guess you're going to come on to it, Luke. But uh, a fantastic three points and a win on the travels for uh, Tunbridge Angels. They're making a fight of this. Yeah, and Braytree looking real trouble. I mean, if, uh, I've lost nine in the last ten in all competitions. Um, one in 15 if... Uh, wins in that time so lots of player turnover there 
the manager of George Borg trying to change things around, bring players in. I think they got five new players in before for the game yesterday. So, I mean, you'd hope that maybe if they can get them in and, and build some cohesion and start to pick up results. But it's looking look, looking pretty grim at the moment. It's looking like it's heading one way. So they won't want to drop down for a second consecutive season. Obviously, Borg's got the experience. He's done very, very well at that level in the past. Um, but uh, maybe that's you know too much of a job on his hands there. I don't know. I mean, if you stop time right now and look at the league table, it's not beyond hope for them. They've still got a four-point uh, differential to the uh, to the relegation positions, but they've got to stem the flow. That's a horrible run you mentioned there, Darren. And they're going to have to turn that round quickly because teams like uh, Hungerford and St Albans and uh, Chippenham and Tunbridge, they've been fighting all season, haven't they? And they know what they're in. Talking of Chippenham, they sat manager Mark Collier this week. We only had him on a few weeks ago after you drew nil-nil at Maidstone. It was just a short statement from the chairman, Neil Blackmore, thanking him for his time at the club. Now, he's been there six years and the reaction on Twitter hasn't been positive, it's fair to say, that the fans are really upset. They're saying it's the first real blip he's had since he's been there. And they've, We've mentioned it on the podcast a lot this year, Darren, that they've drawn a lot, they've not scored many and conceded. So what do you make of that decision? Yeah, it's a bit of a surprise. I mean, unfortunately, we, we lost to them. That was probably his last win uh, just before Christmas. But I was a bit surprised. I mean, obviously, they're not doing great, but they're probably an over, overachieving side. I imagine with, with their budget, I can't imagine that they you know, should be uh, challenging in the, in the top half, even though they've been up and around there uh, last season and earlier in this season. So, yeah, I was a little bit surprised with that. I suppose I think they had four defeats in a row, isn't it, after, after they did beat us. But, but it, it played Bath, Dorking, uh, Bath again. Uh, Tunbridge they did lose to which is probably a bit of a blow to lose losing that game obviously against a relegation rival possibly but yeah I was a little bit surprised obviously I don't know what's going on there but as you say if the fans are disappointed as well it does seem a bit of a surprise that they've gone that way Slough they missed an opportunity as well to go closer to Wealdstone they slipped down to fourth position with haven't winning they only drew 2-2 at Billerick and it was a late equaliser for Billerick as well through Ronnie Henry experienced defender there, ex-Luton and Stevenage. And it's been a good week for Billericke. Four points from their last two games against teams up at the top, Wheelstone and, as we said, Slough. And after the game, Tom caught up and had a nice chat with Jamie O'Hara. I'm speaking to Billericke town manager Jamie O'Hara uh, while he's on his way home from a creditable point against Slough Town. But, Jamie, you feel that you probably should have taken all three. Yeah, yeah, I, I felt it was two points drop. We, we weren't good enough in the first half, but we come in at one all, And then, you know, second half, we dominated the game. Uh, we created four or five, you know, really good chances and, and didn't take them. You know, we, we attacked very well, created good chances and had one shot in the second half and it was from our mistake. We didn't clear our lines and they scored. And then, uh, you know, we're chasing it at the, at the death, managed to get a goal in the last minute. But for me, that goal that we scored in the last minute should have been for three points and not just for one point. You've just mentioned to me um, before we started recording that one of the problems the team is having at the moment is just is putting these games to bed. It's no secret yeah. there's been a large turnover of players. You've got a much younger yeah, squad course. than you started the season with. Is that one of the uh, the side effects of having that younger squad? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, we've had we've made a lot of changes. You know, we we, we had to get rid of sort of ten of you know the players that have, have been at the football club for a while. You know, so. Uh, we've, you know, completely restructured the football club, you know, changed the budget and, you know, we've, we've, we've done great. You know, we really have. You know, we beat Wildstone Tuesday night who were top of the league. Should have got a point against Bath who I thought we played very well. 
And then today, you know, we should have got three points, but we take a point. So four points from, you know, them two really tough games, you can't really complain about. But yeah, I mean, look, we create chances and we should put teams to bed, you know, which that could have been three or four second half. Didn't put the game to bed. And then, you know, they, they done us with a sucker punch goal. You know, so showed great character to get back in and get a point. Um, but for me, you know, I, I expect more from them. And that character is going to be really important. Uh, you know, you look at the league; it's very tight all the way from sort of the lower reaches of the playoffs down to the relegation zone at the moment. Before New Year, it looked like Billericay were getting sucked down into into that bottom half of the table, uh, the lower end of the equation. Yeah. This four mm-hmm. points since the New Year, just how important is that for the confidence moving forward into the spring? Yeah, I mean, look, we've had a bit of table pressure because we haven't played. You know, um, we had four games called off at home, so you know, you take four—that's twelve points. You know, <laughs> so you take twelve points off our off our total. It looks like we're down there because we haven't been able to play at home. You know, and we're still unbeaten at home this season, so no one wants to play us when we play at home. So, you know, we, we, we picked up the result against Willstone, which was a game that we needed to catch up on. We've got, a, a, you know, we got two or three more, I think, to catch up on. We'll, we'll keep climbing, we'll keep building. You know, we need to be better away from home and pick up points, you know, and be, and be harder to beat. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about looking at the, uh, the other end of the table for us. Um, and on a personal level, this is your first full-time job in management. How much of a challenge has it been trying to almost rebuild Billericay Town on a much tighter budget yeah. midway through a season? Yeah, it, it's virgin, been virgin on impossible. You know, um, been incredibly hard to you know to completely change your team. Basically, you know, I, I lost sort of ten players that were starters in the in the side at the start of the season. So completely changed the sides after sort of 12 games so um, yeah it's been the hardest thing I've ever had to do but we stuck at it just kept believing in and trying to get the right players in and you know it's been uh, it's been difficult but we feel like we've got there we've got the budget down the, the, the club's sustainable where we're at the owners are happy you know they've, they've done everything they can to help me to get the players in because you know we were losing games because at the end of the day, you know, you need the quality in there. You know, and we had players like Sam Deering and Moses Emmanuel, who we had to let go of, who, you know, were, who were match winners for us. You know, mm. Moses was, you know, it uh, was a player of the season last season and Sam Deering, you know, probably the best player in the league. So, you know, when you lose players like that, it becomes incredibly difficult to keep getting results. Um, and I think we've done an incredible job. You know, we really have. Everyone's stuck at it. Everyone's in it together. The staff have been great. Uh, and we, you know, we tried to build a group of players who are sort of young, hungry, and fresh. But you know, here for the right reasons, and you know, here for the the opportunity to to build their careers, you know, stepping stone into pushing on in their careers. And you know, I feel like we've got that now with a group. And you talk about the young players. You know, uh, you've brought in a lot on loan. You've used that connection with QPR really well. I see that Odi Alpha got yeah. on the score sheet again today. With all those young players, yeah. does that make the likes of you know uh, an Alfie Potter, a, a Jake Robinson, a Doug Loft even more important because their experience is going to bring those young players along? Yeah, it's, it's massive. You know, you, you experienced boys have got to be the boys that step up to the plate. You know, and they're the ones who've got to bring these young players through. They've got to be leaders on the pitch and off the pitch, uh, and lead by example. You know, when the going gets tough, especially in this division, and I've found that you know that it's the experienced boys that. The teams that stand up and be counted with the experienced boys are the ones that do well. And, you know, we found that and we've, we've managed to kind of get that at home with the, you know, with the character and the desire to keep going even when we're not playing well. And, you know, and 
our, our waveform has not been great and we're not been good enough. So you know, we're working on that and finding solutions to get results away from home. Um, but yeah, I mean, the young lads that I've brought in have been have been excellent. But yeah, they need the experienced boys and you have to have the right balance and the right mixture to get the right results. Well, hopefully they can keep uh, doing it for you and good luck for the rest of the season. And that was Jamie O'Hara and he's doing a really decent job in, in difficult circumstances, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he talked about them in the interview and, you know, he, he almost, you know, sort of dropped his guard and sounded a bit emotional about the situation there. I can imagine how tireless he must have had to work just... The, the sheer player turnover, trying to keep some team spirit going, the fact that there's still a little bit of an after smell, if you like, from the whole Tamplin era there, um, and, and a little bit of dislike for an envy of the club as it was, but it's not anymore. And uh, I think the fact that he has managed to be the uh, stability there for Billericay through that is, is is testimony to. To him, he's played at a much, much higher level. He could have said, oh, do you know what? There's easier things to do to earn money. But he clearly wants to make a success of it. The only thing I would say for Jamie O'Hara, um, have a close look at the league table, Jamie. I know that uh, you lost four games, the problems of the home and the pitch and everything else. But you don't have four games in hand on anybody. You've got one or two games on in hand on six of the seven sides above you. Um, and uh, yeah, the one or two that have played 26, which is three games more. But the differential isn't as big as uh, he, he says, and he might look carefully. I know he doesn't want to look over his shoulder. He wants to see how far they can climb back up the table. But they're not completely out of trouble yet, Villaricky. It's the old games in hand syndrome. Yeah, and the away farm as well. Darren's not been great for them. They need to improve that. Yeah, the I think they're unbeaten at home, so obviously that's going well. But yeah, they've obviously lost a lot of games at home due to the issues with the pitch. But yeah, the waveform, well, they unlucky a little bit of bar. I think they conceded a, a very late goal there to, to go down 2-1. But So the form has picked up since uh, since Christmas. Before that, I think it's four four losses in a row. So uh, things have turned around a little bit. I think he's managed to bring a few players in. I think he's got uh, Noel Williams uh, has come in, the son of the uh, coach there, Gifton. So I think things are, it's club in transition, I think, and... You know, he's, I've been impressed with what he's done there, really. He's one of the big name players, obviously, that came in under the previous regime. And he did wonder whether, like many of the others, would stick around. But he's getting a, a real uh, insight into into the management at this this level, really, without a bit of cash. So, uh, yeah, it's a uh, credit to him that he's, he's stuck around and he's, he's getting involved and obviously enjoying it, uh, despite the ups and downs that he's faced. Yeah, and the final game to look at is Weymouth there, keeping up their excellent season. He had to come from behind, though, to draw with Dulwich, but... Weymouth are going well. They're still ensconcing those playoffs, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they were on an amazing run. I think they evened off a little bit over the last few weeks, but uh, still going very well. They're say, sitting in, in six and like Dorking, you know, to have come up to this level and, and, and look impressive straight away is an achievement. Uh, I think they've got a game, game or two in hand on the ones above them, so if they can win that, then again, they'll, they'll pull away a little bit from the team's, team's chasing. But um, I don't think they can ask for much more than, than where they are at the moment. Um on the flip side, Dulwich, um, again, they're, they're unbeaten in three now, one won the previous two before or yesterday, and they've been on a terrible run of form. So hopefully for them, uh, they'll start picking up points and, again, start moving a bit further up the table and, and not get dragged into the, the battle at the bottom. So we're going to look now at the National League North. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, it was a, a big day, as we said, Kingsland. We're, we're playing in the FA Trophy, which meant York could take advantage. Now they were playing AFC Telford, and it was nil-nil till 80 minutes, but then two late goals for York saw the victory and saw them close the gap on Kingsland. 
Yeah, and I think for, for York City, it was a vital result because the way they've started 2020, obviously they beat Bradford Park Avenue and that was kind of, you know, everyone thought that would happen. But then to go to Southport and gain the win and it's all about keeping that momentum going. Obviously, next game, they play Kingsley Town away from home. So that is an absolutely mouth-watering tie. And really, one of those games already, I know... You know, mid-January, is it too early to call it a six-pointer? But I think you've got to, haven't you? Because just of the form that Kings Lynn are in and the form that York is starting to show again, I think what what Steve Watson has said is there are certain teams where maybe they've been going and facing York and it's been almost a bit of a cup final for them, you know, to go to Bootham Crescent knowing it's going to be their last time ever playing at Bootham Crescent and maybe their performance levels have just on above York City's, but I think for York, a, a fantastic result for them. And kind of one of those, I think, that they are in the, they are looking for a striker. Whether or not they get that done in the next couple of days, I'm not sure. But they've definitely got a very good defence, a good midfield, and maybe lacking one goal scorer. But there's players in that team, you know, likes of Dan Maguire, who's been unlucky with injury, where if he can get a run of form going, that I suppose the solution is already within the squad. Yeah, I know York beat Kingsland earlier in the season, so they do have that maybe slight psychological edge over them, but it's one of the few defeats Kingsland have suffered. But we know they're very good at home, aren't they, Kingsland? I mean, you know, it's over a year since they lost, and, you know, that's absolutely incredible. There's not many teams in football that can say that. And I think the big thing as well for Kingsland is, you know, they beat, they lost to York City, and obviously there is going to be that thing, but that can work two ways as well because that'll be one of those results where Kingsland will be, you know, won't have been happy with what happened in that game, you know, to lose the way they did 3 0. So it really is going to be such an interesting game, and whatever the outcome, you know, which team will have the upper hand, it really is anybody's guess. So Spennymore, they. They were in the playoff positions. They missed a chance to progress. They conceded a late winner to Kettering in a game that Jason Ainsley said they didn't really deserve to lose. That He says they're too easy to beat at the minute. But a big result down at the bottom that for Kettering, wasn't it? But spending more, Phil, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, and I think the way that Kettering got that winner as well was, I think it was the last kick of the game. I'm, I'm not even sure if there was a kick-off afterwards. There might have been, but it was as late as that. And I think, you know, for, for Paul Cox's side, he came in, and they went on this nice little unbeaten run. They then lost the game, and you, you're just wondering what's going to happen. So, for them to get back to winning ways, that is a you know a really big result for, for Paul Cox and Kettering Town. And I think for Spennymore Town, you know, maybe a little bit of a reality check, just in terms of that could, that could be the kind of result where they maybe just get the house in order a little bit in terms of a couple of things, and then all of a sudden they might be able to go on another run because. I think with Jason Ainsley, he's a very good manager and he will be wanting a reaction. He'll be demanding a reaction from his side and I fully expect one in the next few games. Yeah, team you know very well, Geisley, they played Altrincham, Altrincham had a win 3-1 over Blythe in midweek. But uh, a good result for Geisley, they're coming from behind as well to kind of stop Altrincham in the tracks just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing as well, it was a, it really was a good game. You know, both sides had a goal mouth scramble that somehow didn't result in a goal each. Guysley also, Marcus Stewhurst, who's been, once again, he came on loan last season. He was one of the best players. He's come back on loan. He's been one of the best players. Again, he saved a penalty. And I think the big thing for Guysley is last weekend they lost to Chester. A, a disappointing result in the sense of they didn't have a shot on target in the game this week. 
showed a real attacking intent and Kane Felix scored a really nice goal and I think for, I think for Geisley, you know, it's incredible because just before Christmas, it was a case of not looking over the shoulder in terms of the drop zone, but looking over the shoulder in terms of maybe being sucked into that bottom quarter of the table. A couple of good results, beating Farsley twice, going to York and winning, and all of a sudden, you know, just a point off the playoff places. So a great result for guys, and I think for Altrincham from you know the performance that they put in and from the run that they've been on they definitely are going to be fighting for them playoff places by the end of it but there's so many teams that realistically are looking and thinking we can finish in them top seven places and it really is going to be fascinating to see what happens yeah talking of looking over the shoulder that will be Curzon Ashton now because they faced a massive six-pointer up at Croft Park when they faced Blyde Spartans they went ahead through Connor DeMau but goals a goal from Robbie Dale got them back on track and uh, they went on to win that game by two goals to one, which means they go to within a point of Curzon. Yeah, and I think, you know, you've got to say full credit to Lee Clark because there was a point where it really did look like they were just sinking without a trace. Obviously, they lost so many of their players from last season and really for Lee Clark to be able to utilise the loan market the way he has, getting Callum Roberts, who, you know, there is no right or reason why he's in the National League North to be to be brutally honest because you know he's he's had League One clubs looking at him he was you know he's someone who Newcastle United thought highly of so for Lee Clark to be able to use that contact get him in get him playing you know obviously he must be loving it there because he's turned down moves that have been offered to him so you know you look at Blythe and it just shows you how a little run can just get you going because there was that point where it really looked like the season was a write-off. They'd be preparing for the NPL Premier, and instead now, just a point off. And considering you know the amount of goals they conceded as well early on in the season, for them now to be, you know, I know they conceded yesterday, but the defence has been shored up a little bit as well. So you've got to say full credit to what Lee Clark's done. I must say they're one of the best attacking sides I've seen this season in the in the uh, National League North, which uh, which is weird because the second bottom at the minute. Yeah, and I think you know. Um, I, I've watched them play a couple of times and I guess when, when they weren't in a good run of form I watched them play and it, even though you know they didn't they didn't really get into them positions where you're thinking oh it's a city what they were doing was they were getting in good positions and maybe that final pass was lacking or you know maybe the run was a bit early and it ran offside and then all of a sudden when you watch them play and they've got that run of form you know it's just those little things the, the little passes that maybe weren't coming off last time are coming off now and I think Again, you know, it's that thing of Lee Clark sticking to his principles a bit, adding a bit of quality as well, and the results are starting to come to the side now. Yeah, the other game in the National League North on Saturday was a bit of a disappointment from a Hereford point of view. They drew 1-1 with Bradford Park Avenue, and we're talking about teams giving themselves hope. Bradford, they're hanging on by the fingernails just, aren't they? But a disappointing result for Hereford. Russell Slade said even though they had five players missing, they still should have won. And his comments have caused a bit of an outcry on Twitter that they're not too happy with him. But for Bradford, a good point. Yeah, a really good point for Bradford and for Mark Bauer. And, you know, I think I think for Bradford it's simple now. They know it. They've got to get wins as soon as possible. You know, it's it's incredible. They played Farsley Celtic on Boxing Day. And at half-time, they were slightly the better team. And in the end, they lose that game 5-0. And it's things like that that just, you know, they didn't take the chances. Yesterday, you know, they had chances to win it as well in that match. So maybe, you know, it's clear that they need somebody to find that little bit of form. But 
it's a weird one with Hereford because they brought Russell Slade in and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's thinking, well, they're going to go for it here. You know, look at the experience Russell Slade's had, but it just hasn't really got going for them at all. Even though they're only eight points off the playoff places, you know, they are only six points off the drop zone. So they really are a team that are in transition. The changes that they've made and for Russell Slade now, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see just what happens in terms of changes trying to make maybe during this month in terms of the squad because there clearly is something lacking with the balls. So we're going to look now at some of the transfers that have been taking place over the last week involving a lot of National League players moving up to Football League teams. We said it, Rob, we said there'd be a lot of uh, maybe moves in January and that's what's happened so far. Some of them that have just stand out are Rico Fairchild Hackett. He's moved from Bromley to Portsmouth. Jack Taylor going from Barnet to Peterborough. Now, I read it was half a million and then I've read somewhere else it was a million. So uh, they've made good money on him there, Barnet. Also another one, Jake Beasley, Harrogate to Stevenage on loan, which was quite a surprise. And, and Rob Atkinson, we mentioned easily before, they've lost him. He's going to Oxford United. So again, it just proves that Football League clubs are looking further down the food chain. Yeah, and for Rob Atkinson, what a double move in the space of 12 months. He's come up from Basingstoke to Eastleigh and now on to... Uh... Oxford United, some really good moves. I think we touched on Jack Taylor last week, tremendous prospect. And uh, yeah, I think Darren McAntony himself from Peterborough United tweeting that it's rising to one million, depending on uh, you know I guess appearances and uh, uh, you know other add-on clauses. Um, there's been a lot of coming and going at, uh, at Bromley at Hayes Lane as well over the last week or so. Uh, Bromley have got uh, Chris Bush out on another suspension as well. They bought in Dave Winfield a few weeks ago. Uh, they've now bought uh, in uh, Michael Chambers, a big six foot five centre back uh, uh, who's been released from uh, Wrexham to strengthen up their defence. And uh, they lost Hackett Fairchild to Pompey, but here's an interesting one. They bought Corey Whiteley in on loan from Newport County and uh, we know what damage uh, Whiteley can do at this level. Just mention uh, Michael Chambers, uh, uh, Rob talks about going to Bromley there, unfortunately he'd been on loan at uh, Chelmsford from, from Wrexham and been a bigger uh, factor in our turnaround in form so I think we'd agree to keep him on loan until um, obviously the issues at Bromley injuries you say to Winfield who they, all, who they also got from Chelmsford uh, and Chris Bush suspension, another Chelmsford uh, ex-player so Bromley yeah, not, not, not favourites at Chelmsford at the moment uh, in terms of centre-halves from us. What's going to be fascinating as well boys uh, next Saturday to see how some of these new players in the Bromley lineup do against the best in the division at the minute. The undisputed best in the division Barrow with their magnificent run of games without defeat and a great run at home. That one is going to be on TV for us all to to feast over. Well, I'll have to try and work out with my travel arrangements how I can see it. But uh, yeah, next Saturday, Barrow against Bromley. A few weeks ago, we thought that was going to be first against second. It's not quite now, but uh, it's mouth more, mouth-watering nevertheless. Yeah, I was going to say, would that be your game of the day for people to uh, keep their eyes on for next week? Yeah, well, definitely. But I've got to say, I haven't looked at who the other fixtures are yet. But, I mean, it obviously stands out. You know, you can feast on the other games between three and five and then uh, sit yourself down with a nice uh, cup of whatever you like to drink on a Saturday night and uh, and see how these, uh, you know, new signings do. I think what it suggests to me is Neil Smith is absolutely hell-bent. He knows this is the season. If Bromley are going to do anything, it's got to be this season successive mid-table finishes in the last three or four seasons. They're having a right go at it this season. 
no better test. Bromley uh, will, sorry, Barrow will know they're in a game in that one, believe me. Yeah, the NL full-time team, we sit down on a Saturday night and drink hot chocolate and cocoa, of course. We don't drink anything alcoholic. Getting ready for the podcast. <laughs> Apart from last weekend, eh, Luke? Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that, yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was all right. It was good to get together and have a bit of a drink. It was good. That is it. Thank you very much for listening to us this week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NLFullTime or email us NLFullTime at gmail.com. Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always, boys. Thanks for joining us this week, Tom. No worries at all, mate. Cheers. Cheers, Darren. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Luke. So we'll see you all next week and happy football watching.